And we are here once again on Behind the DM Screen. It is February of 2016. I don't know when you're listening to this, but it's February of 2016 for us. Uh, and I am here with Mike Shea, as always. Hello. Uh, and we and Sam couldn't make it and also hasn't played any games in the last month, apparently, because it's been that kind of month for him. So we're proceeding forward without him. And we may or may not be getting a guest to join us uh, as the call or as the recording progresses. Um, we've reached out to some people, and we're trying to make contact with at least one of them, and we'll see what happens. So, in the meantime, I will go. We're, we decided to go ahead and get going because some of us are on a, a time constraint, and so here, let me get the timer going. I get to go first this time awesome. because I went last last time. Because I'm totally not ready. That's okay. This is behind the DM screen. We don't need to be ready. <laughs> We're DMs. We improvise. Mm. All right. So um, I've started my time. My last time we chatted, I think I talked about the um, campaign I was in the middle of preparing for, mm-hmm. which was this post-apocalyptic fantasy earth setting where I was weaving together or where I am weaving together four published adventures into one large campaign story. And the idea was that in every session I would sort of lay out a handful of hooks. Um, I, you know, I've, I've got a system that I kind of ripped off from um, Dave Chalker's three by three system of prep. Only I do like, a four by three system. Does, does he have it? Did he refine it down to a three by three? It I used to be five. Oh, maybe, five. maybe it was five by five. Yeah. So, so in any case, I modified the concept. Um, and it's like 40% less work. Right. 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 So, and basically what I did is I did it four by three where I guess it's four by four. If you, if you think of it that way, um, where one side is each of the four campaigns or each of the four adventures that I'm merging together. Uh, and so it's sort of a what's going on in that adventure and what hooks are going out there, what elements are being brought into this campaign in order to tie into that adventure. And so while we might be running a published adventure, I'm adding these things here and there mm-hmm. that I've sort of prepped and, and planned out ahead of time in order to make sure I, I give those hints that, that even if you're not interacting with the storyline, that story is still progressing. Right. right? So um, it's things like um, even if – because for my other columns are you – know, one column is just sort of a, a gist of what's kind of happening with that storyline at that time. Another column is a location that can be kind of tied to it or where you would run into an NPC, which is another column, and then a monster that I might throw in just to, to make a combat encounter out of mm-hmm. um, that, that could be tied to that storyline. And so, for example, one of them was, hey, if they happen to go to this tavern, there is a a gnome there trying to gather up a group of people to do some adventuring. That gnome happens to be a uh, an NPC in the Rod of Seven Parts that you meet when you go into this dungeon. Now, if they ever go into that dungeon and meet that gnome, they will have a background. They'll, oh, yeah, you're that gnome that we saw way back in the town, right? Hmm. 
So the first session um, went pretty well in terms of introducing the storylines and weaving them all together. And um, the first uh, uh, goal of the Rod of Seven Parts adventure uh, is, has thoroughly accomplished already. Um, I put out a bunch of hooks. Um, some of them were more subtle than others, but I'm okay with that. Um, they didn't latch on to any of the subtle ones. They went with the more <laughs> obvious ones, and that has had them... Um, you know, saving the town from an invasion of these weird bug people that have invaded the the planet. Mm-hmm. They, they they picked. Uh, I did this whole question thing at the beginning, and I asked them, sort of, "Hey, who's the big villain?" Right? I had them sort of, you know, there's some empire, some kingdom, or whatever that's threatening your home. Who are they? And they decided that they wanted it to be some sort of weird hive mind bug people. Huh. Right. And so that's what it is. Right. So there's this whole uh, South America is overrun by the the this the hive empire is what I, they've ended up being called. Mm-hmm. And I've just sort of reskinned Thrycrane to be them. Um, and so they they you know, we started with sort of an meteor as, hey, you, you got to town and there's an you know, they're in the middle of being raided by these bug people. Fight them off. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. One of their contacts, sort of, or one of some of them had a contact to this NPC who's from one of the published adventures, uh, Sir Lanover Strail. Which adventure is he from? Out of the US, have... maybe? So Lanover Strail? Lanover Strail. I don't, I don't think it's out of the abyss. Yeah, he's one of, he's either out, it's either out of the abyss. I think it is out of the abyss. I think he's at the council uh, at uh, Gonzogram. Okay, yeah. yeah. I haven't gotten that far. So I think he's, he's one of them. Um, he, they met him. He's, you know, uh, in the military. It's out of the abyss, one of the adventures. Yeah. So out of the abyss is one of the adventures. It's out of the abyss, the rod of seven parts, uh, the Freeport trilogy. And, um, Oh, the one they're doing Prince of the apocalypse. That's, that's the hook they jumped on is Prince of the apocalypse. That's interesting. That's some big ass adventures. Right. And that's the idea. Yeah. Well, and some of them are like, uh, when I laid them all out on my, I had sort of, I created like a, a story map of okay at this level this part of this adventure has to happen and this part of this adventure has to happen whatever so i mm-hmm. sort of know how to pace out the individual stories mm-hmm. um and when i did that <clears throat> the freeport trilogy finishes at like level seven mm-hmm. whereas the rod of seven parts goes up into like well i mean i'm converting it from second edition right but i have right. it going up to like level 20 and wrapping the whole thing up right that becomes sort of the gotcha. large uber story at the end that's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, but Freeport will be d- over and done with it. And I thought that was really where they were going to go based on their backgrounds. Because right. a lot of them really latched on to some of those NPCs to be their characters mm-hmm. um, or tied to their characters. But then when it's like, hey, this person you've heard of and have this connection to is calling for help. They're like, yeah, that's a long ways away. <laughs> yeah, it's a long ways away. We got bug problems right now. We got bug problems here, and there's a, and <laughs> right. uh, Sir Lanover is asking us to go this way right. up here and do that something else. Easy. So, yeah. and so you know, Sir Lanover gave him the the quest of hey, there's this uh, this dwarven uh, um, what are you, not ambassadors or whatever, right? Um, that are are traveling through the realms and establishing trade relations and all that, and they've gone missing. I'd like you to go looking for them, right? Sort of the hook of um, Princes of the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, hey, sure, we'll help you with that. You go start in the north, we'll start down here in the south, and and we'll meet in the middle. First up, Red Larch, right? And of course, mm-hmm. they, expl- they explore the island of Desarin. See how I, I modified things. Oh, instead wow. Of, huh. Instead of the Desarin Vale, it's the island of Desarin because they're a, a, a sort of a nautical setting. Interesting. 
Um, and I, I made a map for it and everything. It's actually pretty cool. I posted it on Facebook once. <clears throat> um, so so they're on the island of Dasaran, and, and, and they that was the second session. They got to the island of Dasaran, and they started doing their sleuthing and trying to figure out what, what was going on. And they traveled around the island a bit and, and eventually have figured out that they were attacked by bugbears and taken. Um, hmm. And they followed the tracks of the bugbears all the way back to the Monastery of the Sacred Stone, which is where the, the Earth Temple people are. Right. Right. So um, all of that, story-wise, the whole thing is going really well. The place where I'm struggling a bit is the difficulty level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I threw a bunch of Thrykreen at him at level one. Mm-hmm. Thrykreen are a, what, challenge rating one creature? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's got to be rough. So it was rough, and I, I'm like, eh, how many of them are there? I don't know. Roll a d12. Oh look, oh, you're fighting. Sh- <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, you're fighting eight. <laughs> oh my god, eight cr ones. Right. Did they did they survive? They did. Um, but it was yeah. the first encounter of the entire campaign, and I how think many, I dropped multiple. Uh, five players. Yeah. I guess eight CR ones. I guess eight CR ones, right? Yeah, that 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 is. I believe the Kobold Fight Club would refer to that as deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was rough. And I had Sir Lanaver sort of come in at the end when half of them were on the ground and bleeding to to help at least keep some of the the remaining bugs busy so they could run around and do the healing they needed to do. Right. And then later in that session, they got the first piece of the Rod of Seven Parts as well, so and which has the the power of cure wounds five times a day. Mm-hmm. So that gives them a little healing boost to help them a little, be a little less squishy. And I gave them a level at the end of the session. So yeah. It's level one, you know, move yeah, up. You want to, you want to get them up to higher up levels. To three quickly. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I kind of want to delay because I thought they'd head to Freeport and the first adventure of Freeport really only requires them to be like level one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly that's not going to happen. They went the wrong direction. So I'm just moving on past that, uh, which is fine. That's, that's how it's designed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, then they went to, to red large and they're running around doing the thing. And I'm, and I'm, I'm running it as designed and random encounters and all. So they're traveling from red large to, um, whatever the little town is with, where they get the clues and the, with the monks at the mass and all that. I don't remember the name of it right now. Mm, um, I don't remember. Yeah. You don't either. Off to the East or Southeast or something like that. I don't know. Cause I changed the map. Remember? Oh, okay. They're on an island. So, is there a river? Is it near the? There's, or do you not even have the river in your island? Uh, the river's there. Um, it's uh, the I one. It's got. It's got like a stockade and warehouses in one side and whatever. I don't remember if the river goes through it or not. Mm. But in any case, yeah. Um, so they go there, uh, and on the way there, they go. They're going over this. They're getting about to the stone bridge. Um, on the way there, they're on that road, um, and. I roll a random encounter. Hey, look, random encounter. Um, it's a an Earth cult uh, raiding party. So I've, I mean, I keep following the random generation of the random encounter, and ended up being like six cultists, a priest, and two <laughs> ogres. Oh my god! You're right, level two. I'm, and I'm oh. throwing another one at him. Right? Like, why do you hate us? <laughs> well, and in fairness, they could have chosen to like. Not in, engage. Yeah. But they're looking – so the the backstory for the party is um, that they are – they're like a, a semi-autonomous military unit. Right. That is the law enforcement for this, the, this area. <laughs> Just everyone, everyone else is a lot tougher than you are. 
Right, well, <laughs> at least the bad guys are, right? Yeah, so right. they so they see these guys and like, well, clearly they're not supposed to be here and they're bad people. So it's our job to take care of them. Yeah. Even if we're outnumbered and outpowered. And so they, they I mean and they did, but it, again it was another really deadly battle. Uh, nobody died. Yeah. But we got some people we had several people making death saves. Hmm. Um and, and they 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 finished they finished it off and, and did okay. And now that they've well, and in fairness, they were level two and Princess of the Apocalypse is designed for level three. So they wouldn't have been quite so squishy if they were mm-hmm. had one more level, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I did get them there a little bit earlier than I guess I should have. Um, but I threw that – that hook fit really well where the story was and I let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, now they've decided to go to the Monastery of the Sacred Stone, which is like the third hardest of the three or the four temples they could go to. <laughs> uh, the, the stone one? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, because it's Feathergale and the water one. Air and water are the first two. Yeah. So they right. skip straight to the third. Right. Which is fine, but now I'm afraid that they're going to think this is just how – this is, you know, <laughs> the difficulty level of the game, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, how well do you know Prince of the Apocalypse? Did you Pretty well. Yeah, I ran it. Yeah. Okay. So what do you – what should I look out for going into the Monastery of the Sacred Stone in terms of deadliness? Um – so I, I, you know, without the book in front of me, yeah, yeah. and it's been it's been a few months. Um, my group, I think, was four or five when they got there, and it wasn't terribly difficult. There's that crazy lich thing that goes on in there, but the um, lich is not. Yeah, is, is, that's that's you, not you, intended you, to be a combat. You're right, you can negotiate with the lich. Yeah, in fact, yeah. So they they <laughs> and my my group had a good time, and I I never really so so it's it's funny you bring that up because one of the you know. I think one of the failings of some of the the kind of initial five E adventures was they started off way way hard, um, and in fact, you know, I think the only one I can really pick on is the horde of the dragon, you know, the the, the horde of the dragon queen, um, because it starts off with like you know blue dragons flying through the sky and this onslaught on this town, and you know, and then like the easiest way of sneaking through is the sewers, and then you're fighting swarms of, you know, rat swarms that are kicking mm-hmm. everyone's ass, so. Um, you know, it definitely, you know, for people who really felt empowered in 4E, it's really rough to go to 5E and then get their ass kicked by rats. Right. Um, and was, Princess, yeah, yeah. I thought, was better at that because Princess has this, like, the nice level 1 to 3 starting adventure thing. Which we skipped entirely. Which we skipped, yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, so, the, so I, I didn't like the idea that, like, well, you'll eventually go and then there's this lich and here's this other, like, day, you know, this, you know, creature that if you fight it, it's just going to finger a death you. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't have a chance if you fight it. So you're really only your good thing is negotiating with it. But my group went in there and they were like, oh, my God, we're going to fight this thing. And then like I forget he disintegrated something nearby or he did something, you know, and it scared the hell out point. of them. Yeah. And they're like, OK. And they started negotiating. They ended up walking out like festooned with magic items. And they're like, that's the best lich we ever had an encounter with. <laughs> right? Like, we walked in, we had some stern conversations, and we walked out with like a magic ring and wands and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so they ended up liking it basically because he was like a giant treasure window. Um, I don't, I don't recall it being particularly hard. I think the monks were actually pretty low. Um, give me, you know, if you give me a sec, let me bring up. Uh, sorry for the loud keyboard. You're fine. Uh, but I can look up what their challenge rating of the monks are in Fight Club. By the way, if you don't use... Yeah, Sacred Stone monks are CR a half. 
So they're low. They're way lower than your ass whooping other guys. Um, and I don't think in the dungeon itself, in the in the in that area itself, I don't recall that there was anything really hard. I think there's like some rooms where like you walk in and there's 14 of these monks. Okay. So they'll have to be careful about that. I mean, how how is the how are your players finding it? Are they are they enjoying the challenge? Or are they, you know, screaming and rolling their eyes and you know? Well, so most of them I think are enjoying it, and I do have that one player who likes to complain about stuff, right? So right, um, that, he, that's, he's of course that's... concerned about how hard it is. Is right. Is he is his is his level of concern equal to the level of concern he normally has? Yeah, it seems pretty pretty how's, equal. How's his base rate? The the, yeah. the difference is that I kind of agree with him this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Right. Um. Uh, yeah. So I don't think it's going to be any harder than normal. Uh, okay. In fact, all of those over, overland ones aren't necessarily any harder than the others. They they have a challenge rating associated or like a level range associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think they can be done in pretty much any order. And by removing a couple of guys or adding a couple of guys. Or spreading them out into different lo- rooms yeah, or whatever. You can, you can tune the difficulty, Okay. you know, however you want. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. All right. So well, that's I'll the end you, of my time. I, yeah, I'll tell you what I would worry about. Uh-huh. Um, and again, so so this is one where you can kind of, you know, I, 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 I yeah, uh, I, I, I'm always of, of, of kind of torn between... You know, does the world shift itself to the power level of the characters right. or, you know, are the characters walking around in a wild world where blue dragons can fly from the sky sometimes on a poor ass random encounter roll? Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, I kind of lean towards the second, but with, um, I, I don't know, I actually go back and forth, but I try to always make it clear to them that the second is the case. So I'll say things like, you know, you go down into this place and you don't know what horrors you might face down there and you don't know if you're going to have to run. And that's a good point to, to make that very clear yeah, to them. Like, like, watch out. Like they get the feeling, right. You get the feeling that there are things down here that are more powerful than you. Right. You know, and, or, or they might get a hint of it. You know, they'll see guys that they know are tough that have been butchered by something else. And they're like, Oh my God, whatever that, you know, was. And it's not actually a bad thing. Like that they it's feel fun. so connected to the hook. Yeah. That they're not willing to let it go. Like, yeah, yeah but we can't run away because they really need our help over there. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's true. Yeah, exactly. But they might, they might turn and go, wow, what, did, is that a Balor that just walked by? <laughs> I think we really need to be careful about yeah, what we're, we're not going to help anybody dead. Yeah. Now, so one tricky bit with um, the Princes of the Apocalypse is that uh, I think the dungeons, so, so it, there's like three layers of dungeons mm-hmm. in yeah, Princes. And, it, any any one of the upper places can lead to any one of the lower places. So mm-hmm. you can suddenly jump like five levels worth of difficulty. Well, so and here's the thing. Uh, I don't I don't know how long they'll stick with it because I keep teasing and introducing all these other stories as they're going through the yeah. current one. Yeah. And their mission that they've been given by somebody that they perceive as, as higher up in them in the, in the military order, right? Their mission is to find, find the, the Dwarven delegation. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Once, once they find them, they're not gonna. I, I don't know if they're gonna keep. Yeah, but boy, there's something weird here and go on. Yeah. Sometimes, like an ancient cave that goes even deeper, they're they're like, oh, I want to go. Oh, well, and and one there. of the things I did that could get me into trouble is um, one of the members of the dwarven de- delegation is Eldath Feldrun, mm-hmm. who's from Out of the Abyss. 
mm-hmm. with the idea being that she got captured in that and, and somehow got passed off to the drow and, and now she was down there, right? <laughs> I kind of I kind of like the idea that you have both the problems of the elemental princes coming out and the demon. And the, the demon, demon, yeah, absolutely, right? Like every, everything that was, like, you know where we should go? We should go into the abyss because it's nice and clean in there because yeah. everybody else <laughs> outer plane. We're, you know. All right, absolutely. Ah, but so so I am a little concerned like they're going to find the entire delegation and she'll still be missing and so they'll just keep going deeper until yeah. they find her. <laughs> that, but that can be like that's one thing. So what I did is I put walls and keys and stuff, big doors mm-hmm. and keys. And it was like you had to kill all four of the guys before you could build a key that would let you go to the next level down. Oh, uh, sure. That way and, that way you helped modify yeah, the level. I helped issue. I helped they basically steered, you know, they 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 always got clues that led them in the right order to the the four upper keeps. Very good. And um and they needed four pieces of a bigger key to get down to the lower levels. Mm-hmm. And then that way everything was in order. Right. Um, and I did that because I was running with a mixed group of people and we had like level, you know, brand new players would show up in the middle with level one characters. So I didn't want right, them yeah, like, you know, you're, you're in a level seven area. It wasn't a home campaign where mm-hmm. I could say to them, hey, you know, you can go wherever you want, but sometimes you're going to fall down a well that's a lot worse than you know, what you're ready to handle. Sure. But that, that's also going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of Princes of the Apocalypse, our uh, sponsor for this episode is Noble Knight Games, and my pick of the episode is the Princes of the Apocalypse Adventure, available for $15 off the retail price over at noblenight.com. I, I do want to add on to your, your sales pitch for uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, though. Go for it. I think Princes is actually a, a, a pretty good adventure to, to pick up and hang on to because it's got so many like segments that you can use in lots of different ways. So you don't have to run it like a big campaign. You could just pick any one of the, like the 12 locations that it's got in there and run just that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also got a fantastic starter. The whole starter chapter is a really interesting one. That whole yeah, town, the, the extra bunch. The red large and all yeah. the extra little side yeah. adventures it's and things. Real easy, right? Real easy to reskin that to fit kind of whatever campaign you want to run. Yeah. And, got nice maps and it's a really good adventure so i put I, it on an island i ran it and i like yeah you stuck on an island that's great you could do it without the you don't have to necessarily have the princes of the apocalypse you could have other things mm-hmm. you know other ancient evils um really really fun adventure i love i ran it for six months i loved it and um i'd recommend it cool hello i'm rpg podcasting celebrity james and as you know my life is awesome My gaming collection is filled with out-of-print goodies no one else can seem to get their hands on. I have plenty of free time to record podcasts, write blog posts, play games, and hunt the most dangerous game. I have tons of extra cash, which is evident in my caviar-filled swimming pool for the guest house of my third home in the Swiss Alps. And my mother is proud of me because I managed to do all this while supporting small businesses. My secret? noblenight.com a brick and mortar game store that has a great online presence so I feel good shopping there but I can buy anything anytime just by walking to my computer I don't even need to put on my gold plated pants at Noble Knight they have new and out of print products at a discounted price to give me more cash for reckless celebrity activities like bear shaving and Noble Knight will buy back the old products I'm not using anymore which funds my tiger shaving. So, if you want more money, more free time, a better game collection, and a better you, check out noblenight.com, where out of print is available again. And tell them Big Jimmy from the Tome Show sent you.
Okay, and now we're back, and we've we found our guest. We got him on. Sam couldn't make it, like I said, but Jonathan Green has. Welcome back, John. Hey, how's it going? You've been Hi, on. John. You've been on the on the Tome Show podcast with me before, right? I have, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, I thought so, um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know if you're a listener of Behind the DM Screen or not. But, oh, uh, very often, yes. It's just yes. Uh, three DMs talking about their games and helping each other out. Uh, I've already talked about mine. You missed out on on the greatness of that, but you'll get to hear it when the episode comes out. Uh, Mike's going to talk about his game now, and then you'll get to talk about your game last. Sounds so fantastic. Let me put fifteen minutes on the timer for Mike. Fifteen minutes, go, Mike. Uh, so I'm running a 13th Age game uh, based on uh, Eyes of the Stone Thief, a massive adventure that uh, Pelgrane published for 13th Age. I think it's, you know, they've, they've got a bunch of different adventures, but this is a huge, I think the hardback is like bigger than the hardback of the game itself. It's this enormous 350-page adventure. Did you listen to the recent Pelgrane uh, con coverage that we released? No. Uh, we just put out a new I think, one. I thought I did. Yeah, I don't think I've listened to anything recently. Yeah, there was one that got lost in the shuffle, so a new one ah. just came out. Oh, interesting. I wish I'd, I wish I'd listened to it. I'll have to go back and listen to it. Um, so I ran some side adventures uh, to get us to the Stone Thief uh, area, to, to actually get people into the dungeon. And um, I, would, I would say that my problem now is they got into the dungeon. They got swallowed by the Stone Thief. Like, they've been kind of running around, and they got this mechanical head of a guy named um indigo sharp which is a fantastic name uh so they got this robotic head that's got it's it's like a mechanical head with a key that they have to turn in the back like a wind-up key and when they wind it up it activates and then it's this conscious head that talks to them but every so often the key stops and they have to it goes dead and they have to wind the key again um so they that that is like a the, the last remains of a dungeon hunter who had been trying to hunt the stone thief uh he managed he told them where it might go next they went there it was this crazy um uh like a lighthouse a a a living dungeon lighthouse that they went to and they ran into some nasty critters in the lighthouse and then the last thing that happened for them is the lighthouse got swallowed up by the stone thief which just you know raised up out of the ground and swallowed the entire lighthouse in a single thing the stone thief is an enormous living dungeon yeah, that, I was gonna ask about that one. Yeah, sorry. It, it, so it's it's ima- imagine like a purple worm made out of dungeons. I think you described it last time. Yeah. So it's an it's you know it it, it, it that I, sounds I think amazing. It is, yeah. So it's it's like a you know imagine a sandworm from Dune, um, that's made out of dungeon parts. So it's got like steeples and it's got like half of Ravenloft hanging off of it, and it you know and it's got like the you know all kinds of craziness. That living dungeons are one of the really interesting parts of Thirteenth Age, and and the Stone Thief takes that and says let's. Let's dial that up, you know, to, mm. to 11. Um, so then they got swallowed by the stone thief and they're inside and they're kind of wandering around. And then like, you know, day before yesterday, I'm like, okay, so now they're in there, they fought. And I'm like, the hell are they even doing in there? Like, I have no idea what their goals are. I have no idea <laughs> what direction they're going. I don't know if they should leave. I don't know if they want to leave. I don't know if they want to kill it. I don't know if they want to, you know, I have no idea what the motivation of the players are. Did and you ask them? So I did. I, you know, I, I of course asked my my one true player, my wife, and said, "So, what do you, what are your goals with this Stone Thief?" And she's like, "I don't think I like it very much, and I'd kind of like to. I don't know. I think we got to escape from here." Uh, I've got a couple of people that, and during the game yesterday, I had a couple of people like, "Yeah, I've, I have a mentor that's been lost here. I had a mentor that was two people have people that have been lost and swallowed by the Stone." Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's interesting that you bring up the uh, the Dave Chalker five by five method because I I, I use that and a um, a tool that the game Dungeon World uses, which is their whole campaign fronts, 
And you, you, are you familiar with the whole idea of the fronts in Dungeon World? No. Uh, so, you know, Dungeon World came from Apocalypse World, and, and they have this sort of way to plan a campaign called Fronts. And fronts are sort of the major threats. It's exactly like what you were talking about. They're sort of the major threats mm. that are going on in, the, in, in this game world. Uh, the steps that those threats are going through and, you know, what in Dungeon World they call it an, an impending doom. Uh, in Apocalypse World, they call it the Armageddon clock, which I like a lot better. Mm. Um, and it's essentially like, what's the, you know, how is the world going to end because of this threat? And in a good game, you have like three of them. So, you know, the players can kind of navigate through these different threats, but the threats are always kind of moving forward. And there's these sort of, and, you know, the, the idea of the Armageddon clock is that there's like five steps that these threats take before their thing comes true. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly it's something you know, that the players can actively see, and they know well, that they it's advancing. Or yeah, so they, they yeah, only in only in subtle ways, or not not even that subtle, but they only see it in 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 game. Like you don't show them the big chart with these are the five threats and these are the steps, but they get an idea that um, you know they know what the, they, they they might know or they might learn or might get hints of the threats, and then they might see some of the repercussions. But in some cases, they might not even know that it's moving forward, but it still is. And then by the time they're involved, it's already well progressed. And they're like, oh, my God, all the time that we've been mucking around in this dungeon, there's a demon lord who's been trying to destroy an entire continent. Right. And he's now three steps closer to doing it. He needed these three, five things and he's already got three of them. And now we're behind. Um, so it's an interesting, you know, I, I did it with this one because in 13th age, you have the icons and the icons are a really kind of nice, straightforward you know, way of, of determining what the direction of the story is going to take. Mm -hmm. And I decided, okay, so there's three villains. There's the orc. In, our, in ours, we restricted it to six icons instead of the full 13. Um, and there's the orc lord. There's the uh, prince of shadows. Uh, and there's the um, crusader are kind of the main, you know, two of them are clear antagonists. And then one of them is kind of a subtle antagonist. The prince of shadows is sort of subtle. And... So I chose them as my main fronts, saying, okay, each of these three, they want to do stuff with the Stone Thief. The Crusader wants to harness... I, mean, I can't yell too loud because my wife is right behind me. She'll hear it. So the Crusader, this is just between us, uh, the Crusader wants to control the Stone Thief so he can use it to create new hell holes, you know, just burrow it straight into the ground and create new hell holes that he can then control and turn into his castles. Uh, the Orc Lord... Uh, also wants to control it so he can use it against the emperor and he wants to use it as a weapon of war against the emperor and the um the prince of shadows just wants to figure it out he wants to understand it and control it but he doesn't know what for yet and the funny thing is the prince of shadows is actually the one closest to be able to do this because in order to control it you need two of its eyes hence the eyes of the stone thief mm. and he has one of them but i don't know where the other one is yet so the idea of, of kind of looking at all of those and saying, what's their motivation? What, bri what, what brings them forward? Um, and then the other part that I like is, okay, and who's their main henchman in this? You know, like, yeah, those icons are involved, but who's like their agent that's out there pushing this forward? Yeah, because you, know? you never really meet the Because you never actually meet the You can, yeah, it, it happens. But it's not, it's not the real, you know, it's not the BBEG. You know, it's not the, mm -hmm. it's not the thing they're going to fight. It's it's kind of the the subtle one, but they, you want a henchman that's like this is their active agent, you know. And in Indiana Jones, this is Toad, you know. This mm -hmm. is the guy that's out there doing stuff. He's just happy. He's got. He's always underfoot, and um, you know. So I picked three agents for that, and then I said, okay, now what are the groups 
that support this guy? What are the kind of unique groups? Like in the case of the um, Crusaders, the Ebon Gauntlet, you know, these, these kind of like hard case terrorist style guys that work for the Crusader. Uh, for the orcs, I came up with like a, a really bloodthirsty orc tribe. You know, that the Orc Lord has said, okay, I want you guys to go after the, you know, the Stone Thief. And the funny thing for them is the very first thing they did is they just got swallowed by it so they could go inside it and figure out how the hell it works from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Prince of Shadows has an agent named um, uh, Whisper and uh, has hired mercenaries. You know, the Prince of Shadow is actually one of the agents that works with the PCs, but he also sent a bunch of mercenaries to go do it too, and he doesn't care if they end up killing each other. You know, so there's this like kind of shadowy assassin mercenary group that's also trying to figure out how to find the other eye of the stone thief. So these are all sort of things that are underway and they're all kind of moving forward. I didn't really go through the whole like step by step. What are the five things that those groups are going to do? For me, it's kind of enough to say, here's who they are and here's their motivation for what they want to do. And then I'll just sit back, you know, and put myself to sleep at night thinking about how they're moving things forward. Um the problem that I have is none of that really matters to a bunch of players that have been swallowed by this thing and are stuck inside. Right. Their only motivation is primarily yeah. just to get out. Kind of, yeah. Like, what the hell are we doing in here and how the hell do we get out? And I wasn't even sure if they cared to get out. So I, I, I brought in a threat that's actually in the book, which is that when the stone thief is there's currently in water and he's kind of expanded out, he's real big, and there's lots of room in the inside for them to wander around. But all of the creatures that are inside the stone thief knows that when he hits land, he does a thing called the constriction in which he just, you know, narrows way down and everything just crumbles to dust on the inside. Mm. And they're about to have that happen if they can't escape in time. So now they have this choice of they know there's one safe spot inside the stone thief they can reach to, which is a place called Dungeon Town. And um, or they can attempt to break free of him and, and get back out. And. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with whatever path they choose. I think if they break out, I'm probably going to have them go to the stone thief less often because it's kind of boring once you're inside it. Okay. You know, it's just, it's just like a really weird series of rooms. It's not, there's not any kind of clear, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not really clear like what they would do there and what they're, you know, why they're there other than you have a choice of either killing it or escaping. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't get any chance to kind of run into these mercenaries. They don't get to see any of this other stuff that's going on. They don't get any chance to go to a city and kind of talk to people about what's going on. You know, like... Well, what's the point in having all those other groups of... Well, that's the thing, right? Like, so a couple of them can go inside. So pretty much any of the negative... Well, two of the three negative ones, uh, the orcs and the crusader, they can meet inside the stone thief. Like, there could be, you know, previous people that tried to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Uh, yeah, but the problem is, like, if they're rolling Emperor rolls and you want them to meet an Emperor NPC, what's the odds they're going to meet one inside the stone? Right, oh, sure, yeah. You know, when better is the Emperor says, hey, come and talk to me. We got we to gotta figure out the Stone Thief problem. Okay. Um, so there's actually lots of interesting things that can happen with the Stone Thief and Icon rolls if they're not in it. But if they're in it, it's it's not that... It's more difficult, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, it's kind of funny because it's like the whole book is this giant dungeon book of Stone Thief things. And my big goal is get them the hell out. Um, you know, like, I don't really want to run the rest of the adventure. I kind of want to run my own thing that involves the adventure, which I'm sure they'd say, like, hey, that's perfectly fine. But which I'm like, is yeah. like every adventure you run, right? I, well, not really. I mean, like, I'm running guess, out yeah. this, and I'm running every, you know, I'm running almost everything in it, and, and Prince of the Apocalypse, I ran half that whole adventure, you know. Right. I'm thinking of uh, when you did Return to the Temple of a Woman's Levo. Oh, yeah. Seems, that just seems to be the way your 13th age games go. Yeah, I think I looked at the cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Gargoyles, that's cool. I'll have some gargoyles in this. 
Um, but yeah, like I never, yeah, right. My previous 13th image when the Moonwreck campaign. Yeah, I, it was, I, I would be, now I would look back and say it was really even barely tied to, um, return to temp. You got used. Yeah. Yeah. I think I use a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's, sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying some of the things that you uh, you were just saying about you know wanting them to, not re- anyone really having a reason to go into the te- to the uh, into the stone thief, um, but you also have you know this random MacGuffin, one of the eyes of the stone thief. I mean, is it possible that you you might be able to combine those for some really bizarre things? Like for some reason, it swallowed something, and so its own eyes inside of it. Yeah. Um, so you like you know various groups all trying to get in, especially if there's like a time pressure, and you can even translate to that to like a real world game time. Like right, guys, in three hours, if you're not out, and then this happens. Now you've yeah. got to navigate this dungeon and you've got real world time pressure on it. Mm-hmm. That can make for some really interesting and stressful moments. Mm-hmm. And yeah. kind of force all those various groups you mentioned inside the, the one place where, you know, they can actually encounter them. Right. Yeah. The, the, the whole constriction is my current sort of timer. You know, I gave them lots of hints that this is occurring and now they re- they, they've seen it start to happen. And they're like, oh my God, we got to, you know, we got to figure out, are we going to Dungeon Town or are we leaving this thing? And we better choose right now. We better do it tonight, or else. And how long are your sessions? Uh, two, three and a half, three hours. So you could, I mean, you could use the session hours. as your timer. Like, if you're not Time, out, yeah. if you're not in a safe place by the end of this session, you're you're screwed. Yeah, I, I don't want to. You know, uh, it's a little bit like throwing an obstacle in front of them that kind you know, of. If you, if you fail, it, the game's over. The real right? life, yeah, the real lifetime pressure is something I, I typically don't do with this group, just because they, they kind of have their own relaxed pace that they want to take it. And if sometimes I'm the slow one, right? Like if we're running a battle and I'm trying to figure out where everything is, and I'm like, what the hell? You're taking too long, and we're the ones on the timer. Mm-hmm. So I always have to be a little careful. I did that with um, when I ran the Halloween version of Strahd. Whenever I run Ravenloft for Halloween, um, I always put the timer that like Strahd is going to show up 45 minutes before the end of the game, wherever you are. You know, and that's always the nice timer. And I remember the last time I ran it, uh, they're just kicking in doors, you know, and like there's all the major story elements of Ravenloft and they're just like stomping right through it, trying to get <laughs> to the next room. So that the who's the, the girl that Strahd's got locked up in the bedroom and all that. Mm. And they just like kick in the door like Strahd in here. And she's like, ah, who are you? And she's like, oh, no, that's not Strahd. They close the door and walk right out. <laughs> <laughs> they never did anything with her. Um, which, you know, I think it was uh, James Intercasso who told me that you, uh, Jeff, had a way that you ran Ravenloft where they start right at the beginning of the place by having the drawing of the uh, cards inside a, the cart that's taking them there. Was that I your I idea? Ha- I have done that before. I've run Ravenloft several times, so yeah. I've done it different yeah. ways. Different so that, that, I like that idea that you don't even go to Barovia. You don't even have them walk around the trail. They're, they start, you know, they've everything has already happened by the mm. time the game starts, and now they're getting the drawing as they're approaching Ravenloft. Right, especially if you're doing it for like a one shot at Halloween. Yeah, right? so that was my Halloween one shot. So it's like a five hour Ravenloft game. Um, so yeah, so I've used timer successfully for that. I don't know if I would use it for this, but I, you know, the idea that like all of the MacGuffin-y sort of stuff can be inside the Stone Thief is certainly an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's the you know, I, I don't know if they want to, and I don't know if I want to have them basically crawl through all of the stone thief. Um, cause that could also get, you know, then it's just an enormous dungeon crawl, which for 13th age seems like a weird thing. Cause 13th age is so flexible. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. I'm, I'm figuring it out and well, switching you, to 13th age after a lot of fifth edition is really weird. Too. Yeah. Well, are you still doing the fifth edition? And, and this- oh, yeah, my, my Sunday game is still out of the abyss. Um, that one's, Oh no, my timer. <laughs> talk about it. But that one's been going really well. They're on their way to Blingdon stone. They're okay. seventh level. Uh, they do Blingdon Stone, and then um, there's the final confrontation 
with the uh, slavers that originally tried to grab him. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then they'll go to Gontogrim, and then our group is going to decide: Do we want to keep going without the abyss, or do we want to do Ravenloft? Something else, yeah. Yeah, with Curse of Strahd. Right on. Yeah, I've got I've got my plethora of games going as well. I mean, I, I talk about the one campaign as my campaign, and I always forget. I'm also running like twice a month, sometimes four times a month for a bunch of kids after school. So right. <laughs> I've got my uh, fantasy age game that's turned into that's turning into as of tomorrow, turning into Titan's Grave. Oh, cool! Uh, and then I've got my. Um, How do you like it? Uh, Fantasy Age has worked really well. It's really smooth for a group of of newcomers who've never played a game before. Like it's just really, uh, it's really fast. We made characters in in one sit down meeting, and then the next time they were off and playing, while D and D characters were still picking their races, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that went really smooth and really fast. They haven't gotten into Titan's Grave stuff yet. They actually like teleported from one world to another because things are weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other group is um, doing Freeport. Just mm-hmm. straight up Freeport, not the craziness that I'm doing in my normal campaign. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like the I guess if there's any like takeaway of something that worked really well, I think you know at, at the the whole idea of Dungeon World fronts Dungeon World. The game itself is under uh, they have both an an SRD and I think they're Creative Commons, so you can actually read the book online. Um, and they have a really good sort of front handout, which is all like the components you would need to look at a front. And the idea of major antagonistic NPCs as the fronts that are moving the game forward, I think, is a really interesting and effective way for a DM to prep uh, to prep a game rather yeah. than build yeah, lots. It actually of- sounds very similar to what I'm doing with my yeah, and and it, it it falls right in line with the the five by five method of, mm-hmm. that, that Chalker has. So, really cool. cool idea. All right, well, that was Mike. We're going to put 15 minutes on the clock, and Jonathan's going to get to talk to us for the first time ever about his game. <laughs> sounds good. Ready? Go. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, so I've got two games. One of them I actually just finished up uh, earlier this week, and that was a, a 5e conversion of um, of Gardmore Abbey, mm. um, which is one that you know I've been meaning to run for years. I love the deck of many things. And uh, we ended up skipping the last half of the adventure because somehow the PCs ended up in a... Uh, <laughs> basically in a rock-off against a devil because mm. the bard kept on rolling more, progressively more and more ridiculous things. And uh, it got to the part of the adventure where I'm like, I don't really like any of the rest of this stuff. You want to keep on challenging these guys? Okay, that's what's going to happen. So it came to a big, climactic, and unexpected end. Mm. Um, so now I'm frantically trying to figure out what I'm going to do the next time. Did they end or did they succeed? Oh, no, they, they succeeded amazingly well. And uh, I mean, he put his soul in line. It's like, right, if I lose this, you get my soul. If we win, you give me every item in the, or you give me every card from the deck. <laughs> and so they bypassed like, the, like, all of the uh, all the bits of the adventure with the uh, with the dragon, with um, the gnolls and the uh, the minotaurs that are fighting, which is a part of the adventure I didn't really like. All the fun stuff, like the watchtower and the fake grove and the orc and the uh, the rival party, they'd done all that. So I'm like, you know what? I finished with the parts of the adventure that I like, and I don't really feel like doing this long dungeon crawl. <laughs> Yep, this is totally going to work. Yeah, no Mike, worries. You ran that adventure, didn't you? I did. I ran it in 4E. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. That, really? In fact, that was um, – I ran it in 4E, and then they failed, and that turned into my Return to the Temple Elemental Evil game. Hmm. So. Um, it's a great adventure. I really like it. Um, but, uh, yeah, by the end, I just didn't feel like doing another four weeks of nothing but dungeon crawl. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just couldn't be bothered. But uh, my main game, which I actually just finished running a few hours ago, is uh, is Out of the Abyss. Uh-huh. And um, 
So we're actually fairly far into it. So right, in, the party started this time in um, in Mantle Dareth, which I think is chapter nine in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they you know they went back, they they talked to the dwarves, they made made the big plans like right, we're going into the Underdark. They completely declined to take any of the um, any of the army with them. The like yeah, we don't want to mess with NPCs. We're not going to bother with them. <laughs> well, the Just first the half you deal so this. much with NPCs, I imagine it's tiring. Oh yeah, and that's exactly it. like yeah, that was fun to have them, but I don't want to run extra people. So they they all like as a group just decided, no, we don't need anybody else. Um, it has been weird because some of the things like like Graven Hall, they're like hey. You know, we should, we need to figure out what's going on. We should go to that Graven Hollow place that somebody mentioned earlier. And I'm like, that's actually what the plot is, but we're just going to pretend like you came up with that on your own. That's a great right. idea, guys. Oh, Good I job. Love that you are so smart. Um, <clears throat> so they all went to, uh, to Mount Dareth, and they, um, you know, so this is going to be spoilers for anyone who is playing it out of the abyss. Um, so part of the, uh, Part of the thing there is the demon lord uh, Franz Blue is trapped in a gym and it's getting passed around from person to person in the city, and is generally making this what was like a nice stable trading post going you know progressively more and more crazy. Um, and as I read, like I liked a lot of this. There's some interesting NPCs. There's some fun stuff going on here. But I'm like, and so the demon lord just kind of sits in a gym and then I guess they can smash it if they want to. And that seemed a little bit uh, a little bit anticlimactic. Um, so I spent more time reading about, uh, you know, Fraz or Blue, and I'm guessing I'm pronouncing that wrong, but... That's eh. about how I do it. Yeah. And, like, right, so it's about deceptions, about illusions, um, and he's trapped. How would a, you know, a god like that try to, I guess, throw people off of his scent and hide? Um, so basically the way I ended up playing it was, once they finally found the gem, you know, a voice started talking to them and said, no, no, I'm a gem of true seeing. I'll, you know, I'll help you. I, I'm, I'm sentient. There's a soul in here, but I'll help you see through all deceptions, all illusions. You should take me with you. And um, so now the party is holding on to this gym. Like, yeah, we've got this. This is fantastic. And and are using it and are talking to it. One character is considering, you know, gouging out his own eye so he can put the gym in its place. Oh, um, so now this, you know, demon lord of deception and trickery has convinced the party that it is an invaluable ally and to be trusted completely. So, uh, That's so awesome. they're uh, like they they've got it with them and they're they're taking it with them to Graven Hollow and they think this thing is going to save them the rest of the campaign and they can trust it in- completely, which is setting up a lot of really really fun kind of interparty conflicts because if they're depending on the gem to see through illusions, um, a case can very easily show them you know literally anything it wants to, hmm. um, you know they've been making some saves and every time they they just you know the the sense mode or not sense mode of the, uh, the insight and the perception checks to, you know, to see through these illusions, you know, they, they can't hit it. So, um, it's already starting to cause a little bit of inner party conflict that no one has really identified yet. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's caused, uh, the adventure to get a little bit off track, but it's still fitting in with kind of the themes of, you know, about the abyss and of that particular demon Lord fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other so big thing that happened, how do you see ha- that playing out? Like, where's that going? Yeah. Um, so at least one of the party members has kind of a side quest that some that um, there is a there's a group of demon cultists that have uh, have kidnapped his son and his his mentor and are taking them down here and he's out searching for them. Um, and one thing I did at the very beginning of the game was I told all of the other I had all the other players sit down and say, right, everyone, give me an index card. I want you to write down a secret plan that a demon lord has for one of the other players. Hmm. And Every single person out of, sorry, five out of six people all wrote down, I think that this demon lord should be trying to get him to, like, you know, to sacrifice his own son, to accidentally lose him, mm-hmm. something along those lines. 
Um, and none of them know that everyone else wrote this, but they all kind of universally said, we think that would be a really cool, dark story. And I told them I was going to choose one of the things that they, that they had written down, and I wasn't going to tell them which. So, um, so, they all, so the party is all kind of – So a bunch of them are going to think, hey, yeah. he's doing mine. He's doing mine. <laughs> yes. But, but they're, all, they're also under strict instructions. You know, don't, t- don't tell anybody else. These are, you know, these are secret demon plans. Don't let anyone else know. Mm-hmm. So everyone is kind of going along with it and smiling to themselves – and they have no idea that everyone, that literally the entire party is all feeling the exact same way. So uh, it's working out really well. Um, but then just to add another bit of chaos, um, one thing that worked really well in the first half of the adventure was that pursuing drow party and kind of that, uh, that pressure from the back. And that's one thing their party responded really well to. And I'm like, okay, we need something vaguely similar to that in the second half. Not quite as pervasive, but kind of this ongoing threat aside from all the other demon lords, just to kind of keep them on their toes, keep them moving around. Um, so my thought with that was, okay, friends are blue. He's trapped in this gym. He's very weak. He's very vulnerable. Oh. He'll probably have some sort of demon kind of keeping an eye on him, scrying in occasionally. Um, and after, a, after a series of very incredible roles, eventually the party realized, Hey, there's somebody nearby, some demon, he's spying on us. Let's go get him. Hmm. Um, so they end up going and, uh, and it ended up being, uh, being a Balor. Like right, this is a nineteen, like you know, CR nineteen. I've got six people in my party. Give it a few levels, and then if they really work together, they can probably take this thing down. But mm-hmm. it'll, you know, it'll harass them for a few levels. Uh, what so what level sh- are they now? Uh, right now, they're all level nine. Okay, so for, still pretty. Yeah, and and if you get, I mean, once they get to like level twelve, and if they're all at full strength and working together, they can they can take out a CR nineteen creature. Um, yeah, you, yeah. I, I know. Sometimes I've been surprised by what PCs can take down. <laughs> And, and a few and of them are very, creature, yeah. Just not yeah, a few level are very min maxed, and yeah, it's it's, it's not a level one. Yeah, no, level nine, you're pretty rough. It's like as soon as they get banished, things become a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they they all just got to, you know, they got fifth level spells, so they we just had a pretty significant jump in power. Yeah. Um. So they go, they confront this thing, and one party member has a uh, has a rod of wonder, and we were using one of those random tables on the internet, that's like you know, ten thousand different options, <laughs> and. So they see the they see the Balor and they all you know collectively wet themselves and then one of the characters says okay as we're running away I'm gonna pull out the one of one and I'm gonna cast it at the demon so we roll and it gets whatever the effect is you know roll again and double the effect oh, okay no. so they roll again and it's either the enlarge or reduce <laughs> and you know the party's watching this they, all they see is my my eyes bug out and I take a coin and I just say okay somebody call it. And because um, I'm like, this is either going to go very, very well for them or very, very badly. <laughs> and ended up, it ended up uh, going for enlarge. Oh, and uh, no. a couple of months ago, I bought the uh, the collector's edition of this of Sword Coast Adventures Guide or Sword Coast uh, Sword Coast Legends, okay. which comes oh, with that giant foot tall to... Belafoss statue. Yeah. So I just kind of <laughs> looked at the, like, everybody and say, okay, guys, wait here for just a second. And none of them had seen it before. So I go back and I come out with you know. This, you know, twelve-inch tall, you know, eighteen-inch wide, uh, you know, Balor statue, and I just kind of set it on the table. I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, and so it's put a whole new spin and <laughs> fear of, fear of demons into the party. Um, they left Mantle Dareth as it was being destroyed by this now, you know, <laughs> gigantic demon. So. They're running away. Demon Lord in tow. That this one possibly safe port 
they've just completely let get destroyed and effectively have introduced a ninth demon lord into the campaign by casting weird funky awesome. magic. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm like, oh, okay, I did not really expect this to happen. <laughs> now I need to figure out, okay, what's this guy's plot? Is he still going to be a good, faithful, loyal general, or is he going to go and kind of become his own thing? So, so now I'm going to be Fraz Urblu was his... Yeah, so he was working for Fraz Urblu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Well, and that, he, he could effectively become his proxy, right? Because Fraz Urblu's or he kind, try of, to take kind of not running around in the Underdark, as far as anybody knows. Yeah, so it's, I mean, so I can either make him as, right now this is a, this is kind of a new demonic proxy and, um, yeah, just does whatever his master wants. He could challenge him and then suddenly this is a new, you know, just one more weird aspect to toss, toss into the big possible, you know, all out demon fight at the very end. Um, so like I said, this all just happened a few hours ago and I'm, and I was caught a little bit off guard. So I'm kind of running through different possibilities in my mind (laughs) about how this is going to turn out. Well, and and Frazerberlu is all about illusion and deception, right? So, right. so maybe this new demon lord guy thinks that he's breaking away and he's rebelling and and becoming his own demon lord, but he's really being deceived and he's doing exactly what Frazerberlu wants. And it's being used as a pawn against some of the other uh, mm-hmm. some of the other demon lords. Yeah, That's yeah, actually, awesome. I like that. So, like I said, I'm, I'm set up for some fun stuff, uh, especially now that they've got a. God of illusion and deception inside basically the greatest storehouse of knowledge in the Underdark. Mm. Um, oh, and, that, and they're going to be using that to try to find out you know, information on all the other demon lords and figure out what hap- what's happened, what's going on. So this gives me the opportunity to plant all sorts of, uh, not false clues, but... Um, Red herrings? Yeah, or, or just you know, see how much... How much a demon lord can manipulate them to either turn on each other or betray themselves, you know, or betray, you know, the organization they all swore to. Yeah, and how much of or, that is his goal? Like, I mean, <clears throat> if he if he can see that this the the downfall or whatever the demon lords in the underdark is is coming, then yeah, what it, preparations will he make? Yeah, what, right. What preparations will he make, or or is his goal just? lay as low as possible and, and be the one demon lord who gets to stay when everybody else goes, right? Yeah. Which puts him in a, in a severe advantage. Um, and the same, or how do I get out of this gym that I'm stuck in? Because yeah. I think as, you know, as written, if the gym ever gets shattered, he just gets sent back to the abyss. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's both vulnerable, but also in a very, very strong position. Mm-hmm. As That's long as no one figures out what's going on. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So, so we're, we're set up for a pretty fun place, um, and uh, yeah. So what, what hasn't hadn't been planning a, a lot of this. So I've, that's what I'm going to be doing over this next weekend is sitting down and trying to map out and figure out what the hell this guy's plan is. Yeah. How often and, do you uh, play? How much time do you have? Uh, I've got till Tuesday. Okay. Um, so usually we're every Tuesday, but we uh, we took a couple of days off this week uh, okay. just because of scheduling. So uh, we're uh, we're once a week. You, so we're flying through this. How do you find the adventure overall? Um. From an organizational standpoint, they needed an extra 16 pages. Um, they, they should have expanded it. I'm like, right, here's how everything's set up. Here's how it should go. Once I read through the entire adventure you know, a couple of times, now I've got it and I'm fine. There's some really, really great stuff in here. I can't stand how it's organized. Yeah. Like, I, I like the adventure in spite of how it's set up, not because of it. Well, yeah. and, and um, they, they specifically like it's very the, the especially the first half is very open world sandboxy mm-hmm. oh yeah right and they talk about how it's it's i'm sorry my alerts are going of off 
Um, they talked about how how it's an adventure written for experienced DMs, right? It's it's D and D on hard mode, and that's literally like it for running it and whatever too. Yeah, um, and. I- and the one we did before this was Tyranny of Dragons. So, and as linear as that one was, this is a nice, nice kind of break from that. Yeah. Um, it surprised me how much the party overall has kind of followed the vaguely recommended. Like, all right, then they'll go to Sloopadoop, and then they'll they'll go to, um, then they'll go to, like Neverlight. Like, I think we skipped Gra- uh, Graxlow, mm-hmm. but they've been hitting all the other main points pretty well. And That's a good uh, one to skip because nobody can pronounce it. Graxlostug. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. is it like that? See, I, 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 I don't know. I have any <laughs> idea. I'm probably totally butchering it. That's all. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, my group just finished running Gracklestug, and they had a good time there. You was, you you even pronounced it two different ways, and two different times you said it. <laughs> Gracklestug, um, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, for us, Neverlight, uh, Neverlight was a big, big success. They really enjoyed uh, dealing with that. Like they all love Stool more than any any yeah. other party member. Yeah, I love them <clears throat> more than anybody else. Just from reading <laughs> the adventure. Yeah, and. Uh, it, actually, the weirdest thing was we had to go and fight. Uh, you know, once they get to um, Blinding Stone, having, having to fight the Pudding King, because they're all British. Um, like when I say pudding, they just they think of something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, it's it's like it's like oozes and jellos. So that was that was its own weird thing. That's the actual timer. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free. To so wrap that's up. where my game. Yeah. So right. I haven't even thought about how to run that after the um, basically after the the midpoint where they they run up with the slavers again. Um, well, once, have, once you get past that point, it honestly, feels I like a lot more read, linear. Yeah, I haven't even read the adventure beyond that point. Oh. <laughs> so it'll be. I've, I've skimmed it. You know, I've read through it. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. That looks cool. But I, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the basic idea is eventually they get they get to a library and then they get a list of MacGuffins to go and fetch. Great. Yeah, and right. it tells you some places where they can fetch them. But I'm, my guess is I'll run that pretty loose. Um, and just kind of go with what they seem to find interesting. Yeah, and some of those are really interesting, and some of them, like, yeah. um, the the angel wing feathers or whatever, like, that's a really interesting thing, but then there's, but then there's, like, this whole, oh, yeah, and there's also this, like, maze and this engine in it and whatever, yeah, and you, you could totally do this thing, too, and it's like, yeah, but, like, why would they ever think to? Like, it's not even yeah. a thing, <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, and I, I don't see my party ever going to Menzo Branson because after the uh, after the whole chase through the first half, they hate the drow and don't want to <laughs> go anywhere near them. And like, no, we're not messing with that. We're not dealing with those idiots again. I think that'd be so much fun, though. Like now they have to go there. <laughs> like after all this time, they've been worried about it. And now they have to go there. Yeah. I have I have three characters in my group that are drow, and and they're like one of them is a fake member of um uh what's the the second house uh uh. Uh, Barris and Delamargo. Barris and Delamargo, yeah. Yeah, so they're, you know, one of them oh, is fun. pretending to be a noble of that house, and it'd be so <laughs> great if he has to go to Mensa Branson and hold that up. So, uh, uh, actually, but I don't know if my group's going to end up playing that or not. One thing that's thrown out the entire second half is uh, because some characters died, and when they, so they, everyone got to kind of rebuild for the second half, was we, ha- we have a ranger, and all of his favorite terrain is Underdark. Sure. Which means they never have to make a survival roll, they never get lost. Like a lot of the like, kind of random wandering difficulties of being in the Underdark is just eh, no, that's gone. You don't yeah, do that. You just get wherever you need to. Like that, that stuff becomes yeah, that might be right. tiresome anyway. I've got yeah. a ranger with survival in Underdark, and I still make him roll all the time. But um, and then anytime that you know, yeah, it, it, I don't know. So far, that hasn't really been a problem. But I've, you know, yeah, I've I've kind of like basically the minute they've sort of overcome a challenge a few times, I just don't have them have to worry about that challenge anymore. So yeah, food and water was a real problem at first. Now it's not a problem anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. 
Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to just make sure that I use them, use those random encounters just often enough so they kind of get an idea of how the various demon lords are moving around in the abyss, the things are not in the abyss, in the underdark, and just how things are bad. And yeah. it's just enough to get enough story points in there and like, right, but we're not going to sit here and I'm not going to make you fight 1d6 dretches because that's a waste <laughs> yeah, of everyone's right. time. Right, right. What What is the... Um... Uh, so you said that you kind of wish it was 16 pages longer and that the organization was kind of off the mark. What, you know, for how would you, what would those 16 pages contain? Uh, so what I would do, I would have kind of a, an overall arcing, like, right, here's kind of the, for, so a section that kind of gives the overall background about what's going on, because like the story that's in there about, uh, about Grumpf, you know, screwing everything up and, you know, right. igniting the phase rest. And like, it's also a plot of Lolf that's kind of hinted at. Yeah, like, there's stuff in there, but it's not very clear. So I'd like kind of a big picture of okay, what is the actual overall story and what's going go, on? Yeah, go read the book. Go read, the read the book, Archmage. Yeah, <laughs> Ari oh, Salvador. So long. Um, <laughs> it, I, you know, I'll get to that but I don't eventually, know how that but in yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, um, and then, then you'll get to find out what was going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh the yeah, secret, that, the secret nice plot of the the ex children of Obladra and their. Um, yeah, so that's something that, would, something that would kind of give an overview of what all the various demon lords are doing, because I, I don't know what Orcus is doing. I don't know what Grass is doing. Like, I've made up stuff that they're doing. Uh, Orcus I, is in yeah, Orcus. Neverwinter? Is he in the... In, in, the, the, in the MMO? Like, it, it, it's something with, with an elder brain. So. Yeah, he's trying to... He, he killed and reanimated an elder brain. Right, but that's, in one, of the, that's, that's in one of the video games. Is it, yeah, I, I don't think that's, been, I don't think that's in uh, uh, Neverwinter. If it is, I haven't seen it. Okay. That'd be pretty um, cool. I kind of want to add that in just because it's so badass. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Grazd is one of my favorite demon lords ever, and there's nothing on him in the entire adventure. Um, um, I th- uh, sorry, there's one mention of him, I think, in, in, in Grackle style. Yeah, and I think he's featured in Aaron Evans' new book, which is featured around the same storyline. Oh, which, okay. Which okay. just came out, so... Uh, I'm actually I'm yeah, actually going to the, the, the previous the, book in her series right now. The yeah, out we'll, the abyss. Yeah, I just started Brimstone Angels. I'm trying to. We'll be we'll be uh, book clubbing the latest one, Ashes of the Tyrant, um, later this month. So you okay, cool. You'll get a glimpse of that later. Then you know. So, <laughs> so um, but like I said overall, I really like the adventure. Um, it's definitely making me have to work a lot harder, which I you know I don't mind scoring me as a DM. That's fine, but. Um, you know, I would rather not have to read a 250-page book to understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have gotten some of the big summary, uh, summary stuff. And uh, yeah, actually, I, I, I like Green Ronin and I like the stuff they do. It just like, even every individual chapter is just awkwardly organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found that with the first, so the the first half, that like once they. Um, you know, once they flee uh, Velkenvelve, it wasn't exactly clear other than we kind of want to get to the surface. But I've got characters like, we don't want to leave. You know, and like, oh, I don't know what your motivation is then. Right. Um, well, and I even had an issue with like, um, what, there's exactly, in, in that giant area, there's exactly one way out of the Underdark? Like, that doesn't feel like the oh, realms I just, yeah. of the Underdark. I always kind of felt like, yeah, there's, there's, there's thousands of ways, but they're all equally hard to find. Um. But the uh, uh, what I found is that there is that sort of midpoint chapter uh, that kind of describes how the the um, the drow of uh, Velkenvelve are hunting them down, and I thought yeah. that 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 kind of had you know it seemed like that chapter is the one that sort of spelled out what exactly is supposed to occur. Yeah, I'd agree. 
then it's funny that you have to go read that chapter before you can even run any of the others. Yeah, you, it's definitely an adventure that you have to read all of first yeah. and then go back and read as you play. Well, I don't know about all. Like I said, I haven't read the second oh, half. Okay, <laughs> half the time. The first half, yeah. Although um, I think I don't know that I'm going to run the second half. I'm, I think I'm, that there's some larger, like, Demon Lord storyline that you're missing if you haven't read the second yeah, half. Yeah, that might be. And and it, it's okay because the players haven't, the, the PCs haven't seen it or, either. Yeah. The demon lords for them are just like, holy crap, what's that? Run away. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the wedding, like they know about the wedding in Neverlight and, you know, they saw Demogorgon rise up. And I've been right. doing a bunch of like random encounters where every so often they'd see another one. So like one guy got poisoned and he, his personality, you know, his, his persona fell into the maze of uh, Baphomet. Hmm. And, you know, he saw, like, the hoof of Baphomet and had to make a madness check at DC-19. And yeah, how's the, how's the madness thing working for both of you? Uh, they... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh yeah. So it's um, it's been a little bit mixed. Like it, it worked. Uh, it worked pretty well. The uh, the first session or the first half of it. Mm-hmm. The second half, we introduced a um, we introduced in a new player, and she was very uncomfortable with the idea of of madness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we've toned it back significantly in the second half. Like it's still it's coming up every so often, but I'm being much more careful about how I use it. Okay. Um, whereas first half, you know, people were going crazy left, right, and center. Yeah, so the the mechanic worked well. It was just uh, triggering something for some of your players. Yeah, actually, and one thing that was just a screw up on my part was I assumed whenever it was talking about you know rolling the madness table, that referred to the ones associated with the various demon lords in the back of the book, mm-hmm. rather than the one in the DMG. Yeah. So I ended up house ruling and kind of making up a lot of that, and it wasn't until I think I was halfway through the first, I guess a quarter of the way through the overall adventure, I was like, oh, it's it's in the DMG, isn't it? That. That would have been nice to know. Yeah, yeah. So I've I I found that now that they have uh, remove curse, um, any level of madness beyond the first level doesn't seem to matter to them at all. They'll just take the time to get rid of it. Mm. Uh, I think one of them's got. I think the sword does it too. The sword of light that they got. Yeah, that was that was a big game changer when they yeah, got that. Yeah, so, so he got that, and now they just feel like, oh, we'll take an hour and get rid of that. Um, but what I absolutely love is that you know when the demon princes show up and they immediately have to roll these like hard ass DC saves and the odds of them just being completely incapacitated are really high. Mm. Um, it kind of makes for some, you know, it makes those guys really dangerous. Like they don't know if like a T, you know, they all roll poorly. They all get TPK just because they all go crazy and half of them go to their special place and half of them are just stunned outright and half of them can't speak, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I like the short term madness. I've used short-term madness a lot, and it seems to. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in my own campaign, uh, and Jonathan hasn't been here for the what two now discussions of of that campaign because I don't think the last one has come out yet. Um, but in my campaign, there's you know out of the abyss is happening, but there's other reasons to bring in madness stuff too. There's a larger sort of story of chaos and unspeakable entities and whatever. Um, so I'm I'm just curious how the mechanic is, is functioning and all that because it might be something that I rip out of that adventure and put into my own campaign. Hmm. So anyway, we've gone from having a short episode to going over time. So that's <laughs> that's typical for us. So Jonathan, you have not messed up our formula at all. <laughs> Glad I'm keeping things consistent. That's right. Yeah, really interesting. interesting yeah, thanks for that. thanks for joining us for this episode uh, oh, with yeah. Sam not being able to I'm make happy. it. And uh, literally, listeners, I I tweeted, "Hey, anybody interested in last minute joining us for behind the DM screen?" And, and Jonathan stepped up. So, yeah, I, I was just falling into bed and I checked Twitter and I'm like, "Oh, hey, this this works out." There you <laughs> go. So, thanks for joining us, uh, yeah. Jonathan. Uh, should, is there anywhere people should go to to check you out? 
Um, the only place right now is on uh, is on Twitter. Uh, John underscore M underscore Green, um, and that's just John J O N. Um, hopefully, I'll have something on the DMs Guild within the next uh, within the next month or so. All right, cool. But well, I'm take still your time with it and do it right. That. I'm very yes. concerned about all the the glut coming out right now. Yeah, same thing. Which is why I'm saying maybe like I, I'm pretty sure I could have it finished in a month, but I'd rather you know have it be good. Yep. Speaking so. of stuff that's good that people should check out, Sly Flourish. Slyflourish.com. Is that uh, is that project that we've been emailing about? Oh, out? I totally spent all the money of that on you know whatever. But is what? is, is that available? No, I'm not going to do it. I, just, I changed my mind. <laughs> you did no, not. Of course, of course, it's coming along fine. I've got <laughs> I'm getting artwork. Say, I downloaded <laughs> it. That was already. my joke. No, I, I I got a really sweet new car. No. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my question yeah. is: Is it public? No, it's okay. uh, June. June, June, okay. June, June is our target date, and so, and yeah. So Brian, Brian Patterson, and I have been going back and forth on art. Uh, he's got three really awesome. That's not the project I'm talking about. Which project are you talking about? The audio one. Oh, that one's done. Yeah, I, I downloaded it, but I didn't know if it was public. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there, la- so Lazy Dungeon Master is an audiobook. So Lazy Dungeon Master is an audiobook, oh, and nice. people should totally, especially listeners of Behind the DM Screen, should totally go check that out. Sure. Yeah. It's, an, it's nice, on Audible. Nice way to to. to Think about your D and D game while you're commuting to work. Um, Absolutely, I think we're gonna do. Uh, I think I, 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 anyway, have decided that we're going to do an episode about it, and we'll bring you on oh, to awesome. interview about it at the time. Sure, great. I have to read it again. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> or just listen to it. Or listen to. It. I'll listen to it in my car myself. There you go. I actually, I did listen to it, of course. Um, yeah. You so that's you didn't out. do the reading though, right? No, I did not do the reading. No. Uh, Colby Elliott. Colby Elliott, yeah. And he, it was one of those, like, when he sent me the demo, like, he, he kind of approached me and said, hey, you know, I like the book, and I'm an, I, do, I do narration for audiobooks, and would you be interested in Lazy Dungeon Master? And I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, it sounds interesting. And he sent me a demo with it, saying, here, I did the first chapter or whatever, and I listened to it. And it's so, for me, it is so appalling to hear, like, my words spoken by, like, a professional like this guy. No you way. know? I mean, just like, oh, my God, it was creepy. Um, cause he's good. He's, you know, he's really fantastic. And, uh, uh, so yeah, I like it a lot. Well, he cool. Did. I look forward to, to listening to it. I've downloaded it. It's in my queue. I've got to get Ashes of the Tyrant done before the book club. And then that'll be next on my list. Cool. Yeah. On a side note though, some of that art that I've seen from, uh, from Brian for the Fantastic Locations, man, that stuff is really good. Yeah. Like, it's really see. good. So I think there's, there's two others that I don't think I've, I'm, I'm waiting until like I get a third or a fourth before I do another update. And uh, but he sent me. I, I've got I've got two others that he's done, and they're just they yeah. Like I'll I'll check them on my phone like at lunch, and I look at them like oh my god, <laughs> like that is so you it's know cool. yeah. So the cool bit is like the the color ones are so great, like they just pop more than anything. I look forward so, to seeing Brian outside of uh, the D twenty monkey sort of realm. So. Yes, right. I mean, for him to do for him to do scenery like this is is very different from what we've seen from him, and it's just it's just outstanding. That would be I, really cool. I really can't wait till this thing's out. Yeah, sweet. Me too. So Mike's got all kinds of things you should check out, and Jonathan's got a Twitter account. So- <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I can I pimp one more thing? One more. Uh, one, one more. more. I I uh, I am working on an adventure for the DMs Guild uh, for the for this for this season. Uh, a a one of the Ravenloft adventures. I think it's four seven called The Innocent. Oh. And that, that should be out in the April, May time frame, I think. So, 
Uh, we'll see you next month, or at least two of the three of us will see you next month. Hopefully Sam is more capable of, of joining us. And if not, uh, we will be sure to call on Jonathan again. He's, uh, he was, he ably filled in and we could love to hear more about how his campaign's going. So I take no responsibility if Sam has an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us guys. And we'll see you next month. Say goodbye guys. Goodbye guys. Bye.